1: This is Jorge Ramos, and when I'm in Houston, I always, always, siempre, listen to Nuestra Palabra.
0: And so should you. Thank you for tuning into to another installment of the Latino Literary Renaissance in all its splendor. Shouts out to Sound Awake, who are always thrilling drive time throughout Houston, and of course all of the surrounding areas. We're really happy that you stick around. And for folks that are used to Nuestra Palabra and come in early and jam out, cool, is KPFT the best party ever? We're happy to provide you the soundtrack for a literary renaissance, and today will be no different. Of course, we'll have our soapbox in a little bit. Today is picture day, by the way, so <laughs> you'll see pictures of us later on. We're all dressed up, and Pablo Rocha is... Taking pictures of folks that we will put up on social media and archives later on. At the top of the show, and he's in the studio right now, so he may sneak in a thought or two. Is Wade Chen from the Houston Chronicle? Thanks for coming out. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. You no, know, by all means. And we're talking a lot about, uh, about a lot of different things, but I really wanted to, to talk one-on with you because of that fantastic report where you talked about the diversity. Or like thereof. Yeah, what diversion. Yeah, exactly, in the theater world. Yeah. And it's perfect timing, too, because that's going to wind up touching on a lot of points that we will be addressing throughout the year. So we'll talk about that at the top of the show. And on the second half of the show, we are all about broad shoulders and broader imaginations, and we want to support folks who are in the community and becoming entrepreneurs. So we're going to have Jovan Abernathy, who's going to be talking about a special program that helps you Exercise, have fun, and learn more about our neighborhoods. And we're going to give away some cool prizes too, because we talk about cultural capital and also capital, but it all comes down to community. So we'll bring you that in just a little bit. We'll bring you some cool songs. And at the top of the show, gotta tell you that. All hands on deck. Um, you had Jorge Ramos say a few nice words about us. We have him on our podcast right now. You can go to nuestrapalabra.org to hear him talk about his music. I'm sorry, his, uh, book from last week. But of course, he covers a lot of immigration issues. We got to touch on that at the top of the show because it concerns our community. Of course, DACA will be ruled upon very soon. You may have heard nationally that a court has ordered the Trump administration to continue DACA. Of course, nothing goes that smoothly for us, right? We have to fight for every single inch in many different ways. So there'll be a ruling here in Texas that's going down at our very conservative district federal court, which is in New Orleans. We'll see what role that plays. And in the meantime, MALDEF is coming to town. The Mexican American Legal Defense Fund will be here in town fighting in court to make sure that the Trump administration is fair to our community, and then today, I want to give a big applause, a big hug to the activists that were there at City Hall, who wanted to let the city know that we're not going to tolerate this baby jail that is being planned at the um, warehouse at this building at downtown Houston. Very proud of the mayor for saying he wouldn't condone it. Uh, proud of the fire chiefs who pointed out that the permits have not been okayed. But these folks want to make money off our families, off our kids from separating children. And folks have said they're not going to tolerate that. So today at City Hall, folks went to express themselves. <coughs> it's going on right and left. And, of course, this has all got to be part of what we argue about as elections come up. Now, that's just one part of this. There's so much more to bring up. I do want to let you know that coming to America, which are actually legal, uh, experts. So we, we just, we just give our opinions. So the lawyers are on after us. So anything I say is not a legal opinion. It's my opinion. And of course we give you facts as well and let you know what the community thinks. But mm-hmm. I, I say all that though because we barely can scratch the surface of that issue. But we also have made a commitment to our community, to our art, to our writing, so we will go to that. But this is something you must address in the elections coming up, so we need you to make sure that you're registered to vote. Concerning our communities, we're making a big push for cultural capital. What that means, you know what that means. I'll tell you what that means. Ask most people if they can name five Latino writers and they cannot Today is our 886th show. That's this, that's crazy. We've been on the air 17 years. If you do one show a week for 17 years, this is 886 shows. So my point is that cultural capital means if most, most folks can't name five Latino writers and we've paraded about a thousand throughout the airwaves and in person, not counting our book fairs, et cetera. That's one example of cultural capital. At the top of the show, We'll be talking to Wei Chen about an article he wrote about the lack of representation in the theater world. We're going to extend this argument, too. And long and the short of it, it's time to put Houston Latino art on the map. We're going to have protests and parties. We're good at both. I hope it's more parties than protests, but we're down with either. (laughs) Whatever is called for. But we're going to kick things off Wednesday, August 29th. It's going to be in the Legacy Room of City Hall. And it's the hashtag Houston Latino Art. We've been spreading it. Um, this meeting will be a big kickoff where we'll be talking about Latino Art Now 2019. That's coming in April of 2019. There's going to be a huge report coming out. And this is a good, great segue to what we're talking about. NALAC will be releasing a report that quantifies the lack of funding in the Latino community and in all minority communities across the board in Houston. Oh. It's a very dismal number, not even double digits. And, of course, this comes at a time when there's even a larger proportion of uh, minorities in Houston. In fact, that name doesn't even fit anymore. <laughs> the name minority is not even appropriate anymore. Now, um, I bring it all up because there's a lot to lay on you, but my point here is that we're going to have to celebrate, quantify, cultivate and accelerate cultural capital. And you're it, we're it, the people in our neighborhoods are it. we got to make sure that the next generation of artists can thrive in this community. So that's a lot to put on you. Of course, do want to let folks know that we appreciate your support, and we're transmitting live right now at 100,000 watts on 90.1 FM KPFT on primetime, which is fun, the classic (laughs) medium of radio. Also, maybe you're listening to this years later. Just want to thank the University of Houston for keeping our digital archives. And perhaps you are a graduate student who transcribed this. The hard copies of our radio shows as well as live events are kept at the Hispanic collections at the Houston Public Library. So when we say we made history, we are not lying. We made history with you. We're looking forward to the history that we all unleash together during this moment, which could be really pivotal. For Art Across the Board. Now, I think um, I do want to segue now into our next conversation. And we alluded to it a little bit. So uh, thanks for coming out, Wayne. Thank you. And, of course, how, when did you start at the Houston Chronicle? Because you are there right now. About two years ago. Fantastic. Yep. And I'm going to read your official bio here. Ooh. You're the theater critic for the Houston Chronicle. He also write about classical music, opera, and the performing arts scene. Before arriving at the Chronicle in 2016, he worked for Indianapolis Star, so he knows what snow is. Mm-hmm. The Lafayette Journal and Courier, the Needham Times, the Boston Phoenix. Chen is a member of the American Theater Critics Association and the 2016 National Critics Institute Fellow at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center. He's won several awards for his writing in the arts, including first place from Indiana Associated Press Media Editors for feature writing. He's interviewed artists such as uh, Winston Marcellus. Yo Yo Ma, Ira Glass, Jesse Eisenberg, and Ben Kingsley. He's also an occasional performer at the Right About Now Poetry Night at Avant Garden, right down the street, and the live storyteller at Moth Indie Star
2: Storytellers. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Is and, that a boring bio? I feel like the not a good bio. Not at all. We got, kind of
0: but <laughs> you know what I you know what I love about sharing that though? We gotta educate folks too because they can get an idea of what it means to be a writer. Mm. And yeah. and also it's great too, because I think sometimes we get pigeonholed like sometimes people say, "Hey, we need some writers, and send them back." What do you need them for? To write a textbook on mechanics? I'm like, "Well, you know, that's not really what we do, but maybe there's some writers
2: on that." Mm-hmm, How did mm-hmm. you come into theater writing? I was a, I was a music major, and then I couldn't hack it. Music was too hard. <laughs> I want to be uh, Miles Davis or something like that. People more talented than me, working harder than me, weren't getting uh, any opportunities. So I decided to critique art and music. And I just been pursuing that path all the time. It's very hard nowadays to write about art full time as a full time job. You can freelance for a lot of kind of online publications. But to have a job like this in Houston uh, for the mainstream paper, the Houston Chronicle, and be able to write about, you know, things like diversity or whatever. uh, Very rare. It's a big honor. Uh, Comes with a lot of hate mail. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, does it? Yeah, really.
2: Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, we we, we don't even. I mean, jumping head like man, that diversity article got so much like. I can't even get started. (laughs) So let's do it
0: one step at a time because let's get there. Because before we get to the hate, before we look in the eye of the hate, let's, let's share the love because I first met you when you were there down in the trenches. I met you at a performance of Purple Eyes and that was so cool that you were there. What took you out to,
2: to see our friend, uh, our friend? Oh man. Yeah. Josh Innocencio. He has this amazing performance, one man show about Latino identity, gay identity, machismo, talking about all these issues. Montrose fruit. is
0: in it. Houston is in yeah, it. Yeah.
2: It was fantastic. I had just been invited by someone. I don't know. Do you know Trevor? Trevor Pofoni? Yes. And Trevor's yeah.
0: a good friend of the show. Oh, which great. Is I think he invited me. He's kind of like the connector. Which is great yeah. because I think it's a big deal because you're right. You are working at one of the last bastions of the mainstream uh, newspaper world, yeah. which is which is important. Which means you can just avoid us, <laughs> you know. What I mean, it'd be very mm. easy and excusable, and we'd be like, "Well, yeah, you know, he's he's gonna avoid everyone." But you you've dived in, and to me, that's great that you went out there. What
2: what took you? What took
0: you out of the ivory tower? I, I'm painting this terrible narrative. Well, you know, you, you know, this the was the
2: biggest. Cool. This was the biggest fear I had. It wasn't anything else related to job or money. It was I'm afraid that covering theater. Classical and opera, th- like think about what those art forms mean and wh- who sees those and who funds those. I was so afraid that my job is just only going to be connecting and writing to and pandering to a very, very, very small slice of the Houston population, which is typically rich old white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just just go to the Alley Theater, go, go to a theater. You know, I, I'm saying it's the Alley's fault, but th- this no, is, no this is theater, classical, opera. We are entrenched in this kind of. Uh, Demographic, And I was very afraid that I wasn't able to connect with other kinds of people in, and engage in other kinds of art. So that's why when I see someone like John Innocencio doing something that completely breaks the mold of staging an Agatha Christie or Christmas Carol or Houston Ballet doing Nutcracker, anything that breaks out of the mold, I think, to me, reminds me that I'm very excited to do my job. That's great. Yeah.
0: And that's great that you have that commitment and that ethos. I mean, that's, that's basically your ethos then, obviously, and I can see it in your work. Yeah, I
2: guess not everyone thinks like that. I realize in Houston, not, a lot of people think in terms of institutionally, if something is associated with a big institution, it is more important because it is associated with a bigger institution. So NPR is more important than KPFD just because it's more, you know, there's this like hierarchical kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Even if KPFD or the show, we can talk about more interesting things than a larger radio station, or I can talk about more interesting things than a traditional and you know, an old school theater critic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea that right. you think that a theater critic at the Houston Chronicle would just automatically ignore you. I mean, <laughs> I totally get that. I, that makes right. sense, though, because right. it's institutional. Well, And I think what's interesting, too, is that we
0: have to pause and realize, oh, wow, we, we've also bought into that by just saying, well, that's the way things
2: were. Yeah, it's almost like defeatist. It, but, it, but, but then all the people assume that I'm going to cater to a certain... Type of show, and so if I don't review a show, or if I don't review a show the the way that people expect me to, then everything's a scandal. Um, you know, <laughs> if if I even, I, I think generally the most offensive word in Houston is is the term white person. The term white is, a, is seen as offensive. To to say, okay, you know, talking about this uh, theater uh, theater diversity article that a hundred percent for some of the theater companies, ninety five percent of your writers, of the people who decide who who tells your stories are white, often men. Uh, we do okay on women. It's like 36% women, you know, so it's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the national average, but um, we have this giant gap, like 3% Latino voices versus what are the population of Houston is. And let's go there then. So yeah. because um, that
0: article too, I thought was powerful and it's really at, at the perfect timing mm-hmm. and just to, just to jump out of that for one second is that one of the projects we 've been working on now is quantifying cultural capital, which is abstract and, and you know a term that we 're trying to define for folks, hmm. but th- that your piece actually sped up the evolution of that project, and all of a sudden. <gasps> Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that came out. And I remember I read it. I'm like, whoa, this is like the universe saying it's time. And, uh, also all of a sudden it's in the zeitgeist seat. I'm using NPR like work now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's
2: the zeitgeist, man. Yeah. It's zeitgeist. You know?
0: And, and there's so many other factors because, because what's different now is, uh, I do want to get to the pushback you got for that piece, but guess what? If you got, if everyone has a beef. With your piece, get ready because it's coming. August 29th, we're preparing you. September 14th, Nalak is coming to Houston to release the quantified proof that Latino artists are getting ripped off as far as funding goes. So, And that's on top of Helicon reports. It's on top of other reports. So the data has arrived. We've been waiting for it. Having gone back to your piece, I also have to walk the walk and talk the talk because I buy into it sometimes. So like... I don't always dive into comment sections. I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I'm going to get in a fight with someone, I'd rather get it on Twitter or a shouting match somewhere else. And I don't dive into comments. But when I saw your piece, I'm like, I dove into the comments and wrote about it. Even wrote a letter responding to the editor, which typically, again, yeah, you know, typically if if you like want to be a published writer, that's not what you do. But I'm like, no, this is important that it, that it comes here. Let's tell folks a little bit about the article, which I thought was really great, and how you came up with that idea.
2: Yeah, so, so every year around springtime, all the theater companies release what they're going to produce for the upcoming year, like the upcoming, essentially, school year, fall, spring. Uh, theater is planned very, very far in advance. Uh, same goes uh, with opera and classical. So this is kind of uh, the, uh, theater production season, announcement mm. season. And what what I did is I just looked at all the data, which just doesn't include casts, so you can't really look at the diversity of who's on stage. That's just not quantifiable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, even if you put people of color on stage, it's not always up to them what kind of story it is. So to me, the authorship is what's important. Who... Again, this might be cultural capital.
0: You're talking in Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers, having to say the writers are super important. That's great.
2: Yeah, it's like we keep talking about this this phrase perspective. What does that mean, perspective? It's how someone sees the world, Mm -hmm. which is going to be fundamentally different than another person who does not experience the world the same way, let's see, Latino artists Mm -hmm. or Asian artists. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to – I didn't want to say anything, okay? I didn't want to – Editorialize or say my opinion. I have my own opinions. I just wanted Uh, that was powerful about the piece as well. I just wanted to say what are the numbers? We couldn't do every single theater company, so we just chose the eight. What I said, kind of core theater companies, and just looked at the data and people. Yeah, I I don't really know what the general mainstream response has been to. The data that we presented, but I'm I'm going to try to do it every single year. Oh, fantastic! Right, just so all the theater companies know that the Houston Chronicle is going to do this every single year. You don't have to care about it, but we're just going to keep on doing it. I love
0: it. it. That's fantastic. Yeah, and we're we're announcing that here. Have you announced that anywhere else? (laughs) Well, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We got the exclusive.
2: We got the get. We got the get. (laughs) But Uh, but subscribe (laughs) to the paper to (laughs) make sure. Subscribe to (laughs) make sure. We're still able to do it. Yeah,
0: but but I think what's cool too is it is part of this movement because. The other thing that um, that we'll be releasing is the state of Latino art, and for Sherman, I'm going to include oh, your wow. piece as one of the, the 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 elemental evidence, part of the evidence that says, "Hey, this has got to change." But really, more than anything, is we're going to be publishing our annual report of Latino state of the arts every year now as well. And That's I think great. it's great to start this discussion. So, like you say. We don't have to edit We'll just show you the numbers, and they're pretty dismal. Yeah. Um, so give give folks some of the quantify the lack of uh, Latino writers. I don't
2: I don't remember all the numbers. Oh, sure, sure. But if if we, you just you can look guess. at the yeah. if you if you look at the numbers, it's generally over ninety percent. I think it was over ninety percent for all theater companies in Houston were white. Uh, no Latino writers at the Alley. Uh, no Latino writers at Tuts. Two at Stages. And Stages Repertory Theater, which is kind of a white leadership organization, has a Latino theater festival that Justin Asensio and Jasmine Mendez were part of last year. So they're investing a little bit, right? Right. Baby steps. The festival is three days. It's not mainstream programming. They have some programming. Stages Repertory Theater is by far the best theater company. A, A theater company that has two plays written by Latino playwrights. So that's the best Houston has to offer right now. A smallish theater company doing two plays in over an entire year. So I, I don't I don't know. I, I how do people feel about it, right? How do you how do people feel about how this is? Some people feel this is perfectly okay. Some people feel we should have less minority work because the mainstream <laughs> work makes more money and gets more donors and we need to, you know, have sustainable theaters. And for some reason some people think that sustainability means Keeping the tradition so I I don't I I tried to keep it open how you're supposed to interpret these numbers which you You did So
0: so you were very fair about just putting the numbers well one. I think it's terrible and I think we've mm. tolerated it for a long time, mm. and I
2: think those days are over. So, so it not, it's not surprising, probably for you. Right? Not
0: at all, not yeah. at all. And exactly, I think uh, the tr- the tragedy of it all is when I, I when I studied Palabra Latina, we're just having to say twenty years. I really thought like, surely after five years, these issues will be fixed. You know, what I
2: mean? mm. in my
0: delusions, I was like, you know. I'd have to say twenty years well, later you didn't
2: miss that menu that it, it all got fixed.
0: <laughs> it was like three years ago. It's like yeah, during January. It's,
2: someone pressed it Yeah, is, it all got
0: fixed. It's, it's yeah. fine now. Yeah. Um I think it's actually gotten worse oh. in the last couple decades. Oh. Now now again, we could point to a few things where you mentioned well what makes more money, what doesn't. Um and then you had the 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 mainstream publishing world of course got torpedoed because of the publishing world, et cetera. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna allude to one thing that we have to then correct. And, and that's a little bit about my new obsession with quantifying cultural capital. Uh, because we too, I'm, I mean, I'm going to blame us too. We'll share the blame. We as writers and poets cannot accept it as truth that poetry doesn't sell. Now, here's what I'm getting at. When someone says that, what they're saying is poetry doesn't generate capital. But poetry creates cultural capital, because hey, yo, what about to, you know? If you go to if you go to a poetry spot every Wednesday, there's mm-hmm. people there are flowing. Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. You can go to most any poetry slam. Uh, you go to Nostra Palabra poetry event. It's packed full of, you know, uh, Latinos, African Americans, Asian folks, where they're not at the school doing that, mm-hmm. right? So what what I want to point out is that we have something valuable that may not generate direct capital, but there's a there's a need. That's being met and that needs to be harnessed and there's that big disconnect because really what those theater companies would love to do is um, say, hey, we're doing this this month. All of you have to come.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. We want to convert you to our consumers. Yeah. I- I'm so fascinated by poetry because poetry is spoken word. It's almost completely divorced From the system of capitalism. Like, no one ever wants to try to make money from it. No one tries. It's not rap. It's not R&B. It's not even literature, right? It's not lit. It's not New York Times bestseller. It's just almost completely divorced from from this kind of idea of making money, of institutions. And so you see a certain kind of individual voices come out that you can't see at even a small, edgy theater company, Mm. like Catastrophic or Rec Room. They still have a board. They still have a season to plan up. They still have contracts to fill. That kind of institution, to me, is a very large barrier to diversity. And I'm still looking for that really smart artistic director that uses the institutional for diversity and doesn't see the institutional kind of, you know, the idea of planning a season, the idea of pleasing all the different kinds of people that you need to please to keep, you know, the, the bills going. S- someone who sees that not as a liability And sees that as Mm. something that can be used as a superpower, as a as a weapon, to to change things. I don't know. I I'm still looking for that artistic director who is trying to do that. We'll see. The Alley Theater is hiring a new artistic director. We'll see who they hire. I'm not sure. People are a little doubtful. I don't really like pessimists, so I'm always <laughs> optimistic about the kind of new people, the fresh blood that we can bring in to try to address these things. I just I wonder if I mean, have you guys been kind of shout if, shouting into the cave for years and years, and well, you, 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 there are just people who are just always have deaf ears or empty pockets. You know, I, I mean,
0: I think the way that I wrap my head around it is that. As uh, Chicano, Chicana, Latinx communities, what we wound up doing is kind of how you describe the poetry route. Hmm. In, in that in that, you get tired of appealing to the mainstream institutions for funding and attention, so you wind up using your cultural capital. But it's almost mm-hmm. as if every step deeper into, the, into your culture moves you from the mainstream, uh, and, and again, yeah. the, from the folks with the most money further and further away, to the point where... You can't really apply for those nonprofit grants because you've been busy doing these, you know, uh, poetry for immigrants events, right? And, and, Mm. you know, can grants go towards undocumented? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Can grants go to undocumented? You know, uh, you have to attend to different issues that, that aren't on the radar so that two things happen. I think one, like you said, you kind of used to shouting, but then also we're used to just booming without it. Right, and, but I think those days are over because now there's got to be this marriage of institution with community, perhaps for all of our survival and, and to thrive. You know, yeah. um, and I think there's interesting things doing. Uh, I have to say again, I really want to commend you for that piece. Uh, we're going to put it out again. We just blasted it out again. We'll tweet it out again. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, by all means, because there was one sign that this is going on, and again, I mentioned there's a lot of different signs. You mentioned some of the
2: pushback. <laughs> Tell us about the pushback. It's generally, generally, it's. Um, unprofessional to write about race or it's offensive wow. to write about diversity or that it's unfair and it's biased and that it's beside the point and you are shooting down wonderful artists who are trying to do great things and oh, it's general also they will point to one play they're doing it's kind of like the token play <laughs> they'll be like yeah, but look at this play that we're doing um, in February you know, <laughs> look, we're doing To Kill a Mockingbird,
0: right. you know,
2: pat us on the back or something like that. So right. th- 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 there, I think there's like, I've kind of charted out seven different kind of like generic responses to being called out for not being diverse. What are they? Um, I'm Okay, so one is, but look at this black person that we have, <laughs> right? Uh, another one is, that's not the point, right? The point is art. The, the point of art is to entertain and blah, blah, blah. It's not to be all political and stuff all the time. Why do you have to make it about race? Uh, the third one is... It's, it's, it's personal. He, he oh, t- for me, he is so young and unqualified <laughs> as a theater critic, right? It's like, when you think theater critic for a crime, don't you think like an old white guy? Right. But why? Why do you think that? Right. Because, like, it's like, when you think movie director, do you think a young woman? Or, or do you think an old guy, right? Do you think a person of authority should look a certain way? Um, so there are certain assumptions of who does or does not get to have authority. Which probably controls the
0: hiring, because that yeah. uns- unspoken image affects who they how
2: they react to whoever walks through the door. Yeah. I interrupted you. You had to a few That's, more words. That's no, I mean I mean that I mean but you can see how yeah. generic it 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 becomes a kind of system right. of reactive defensiveness. Uh I think if we can somehow talk outside of I I always feel like I'm talking in an echo chamber where the people I feel comfortable talking about these issues with, they're, they're allies and they have been fighting and they're already tired and we're all, we're all kind of trying to help each other. And the people who I need to talk to, they don't want to listen or it's just hard to talk to them. So if we can come up with like a strategy to talk to, let's say that guy at the alley theater at Stages, or at Main Street or uh, Symphony or the opera who makes a lot of these decisions, there is a person who looks at all these writers and decides, Yes, let's get this. Let's do Carmen. Let's do Les Mis. Let's do, you know, mm-hmm. Madame Butterfly. Like they're these are actual right. people, and we like never get to talk
0: to them. And they can use their intelligence to to accelerate this. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you wished it September fourteenth. We're throwing down the gauntlet. September fourteenth, Nalak like will be in town to deliver a report. And again, you're you're walking. Folks are going to be walking with us in the history. I'll be walking right through them. And I think wouldn 't it be better if we all walked together yeah. it 'd be better great. and it 's possible right now um, because this 's been going on for decades. No one has done what you 've done you 're yeah. the first to quantify it hmm. and that's, I think that 's going to be a great spark to to get that going so despite all the hate, I think the, the other thing I want to say is and i don 't want to you know, um, you know we 're used to fighting Arizona where they banned mixed market studies we 're used to fighting Texas, Texas Board of ed This is our own backyard. We know everybody, so it 's like you know we know the folks in all these fields. It's time to have that sit down. And the other thing I would add too is probably it is for their best too because mm. as 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 the coffers shrink, as the audience shrinks, there's a sure lot of Latinos around. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good to get them you know involved right now? Yeah. And that's kind of the doorway. So I'm glad
2: you saw that. I'm glad you saw that. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I never know if people pay attention to this stuff. So the 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 fact that someone pays attention and responds to it and cares about it keeps me going a lot of times y- you don't hear any feedback or you only hear the negative feedback that's kind of the problem with
0: right. the internet
2: kind of our our, our conversation you know the conversation right. nowadays right you know how everyone feels like the conversation is broken right right yeah yeah like things are breaking down and and, and talking and working together and collaborating and kind of nice agreement you, you know productive mm-hmm. disagreement is not happening anymore, uh, and so when when I get invited to a show like this, and you guys y'all talk, and it seems like th- this matters, mm-hmm. uh, it keeps me going. So it's it's fodder for me too. So that's yeah. great. And
0: I also want to let folks know that we need to let the Houston Chronicle. Know they did a great job. Congratulations for, uh, that they got you, which is great with your vision.
2: So I think they, I, I, they they didn't want like an old. That's true because they knew they, they knew, didn't want the same.
0: They knew what was going on, yeah. That which was very smart of them, yeah. You know, uh, and I think with Houston too, we're at a point where it wants to be seen as more diverse. We gotta, we 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 talk the talk. Now it's time to to walk the walk. Mm. So uh well thank you so much. What's thank next you. on the horizon? We're, um actually now see too, I want people to know too like so, that's the other thing that happens people are like oh he just listens to Chicano theater. We're looking forward to seeing Mouse Trap. So we're going next week. Oh great. You know, the, okay. Ali, Alley Alley the Alley, Alley Theater, yeah, theater yeah. you know, looking forward to seeing that. Um, uh, what's next, uh, for, for, for you on projects and I'm sure how many plays do you see a month or a year?
2: It's going to ramp up in the fall. There's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. So Mm. yeah, if there's an exciting show, go support it, go see it. Skeleton crew is going to be fantastic. Mm. It's going to be fantastic. It's about working class people of color in Detroit trying to keep their jobs. Uh, there's going to be local actors. When does that come on? September, okay. October at the Alley. Fantastic. Yeah, Dominique Morisot is the playwright. Great. We have They just announced a cast. There's some local actors. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 Some local... Uh, that's three in- three actors of color uh, who are local that's great. being hired at the Alley. Two of them for the very first. Wow. Uh, two of them new to the Alley. That's so, the other
0: thing that we're going to be... That's um, some change happening. ...fighting for too yeah. is to say 10 years from now we need artists, administrators... Uh, who are all from Houston to be cultivated – as well so that's great cool well thanks so much for the work that you're doing yeah. Keep us Invite me back oh for sure <laughs> yeah. definitely in, in fact uh, likewise let's make it to uh, anytime you say hey we got," the, I got this cool project coming up we'd love to talk to you about or even just about place yeah sure Sure. Cool. great hey thank you so much okay, thank you thank you for coming here. Yeah, thank you so much hey you're experiencing Nuestra Palabra Latino writers having their say we will be back right in a little bit with Jovan Abernathy and a few call-in prizes stay tuned
3: I, know I gotta speak my mind on this I do I ain't gonna sit back and not say no Nuh-uh. They say the president just signed a new order To keep families together at the border There was an uproar, the pressure was enormous But now it's okay and everything is normal that's the narrative, but they can go to hell with it I'm trying to open up your mind, they want to narrow it Children in custody, but tell me where their parents is Oh, they deported? Guess those kids don't need no parenting They're using hatred to justify this mess It's more than politics, it's the underlying threat Our kids ain't even safe, man, my bloodline in distress Can't even give them any tax, There's numbers on their chest Invested 400 million on those camps They holding 12,000 children in those camps They treat my people like they're villains up in jail How quickly they forget they were immigrants as well Can't kill my roots so they burn in the leaves Let it be known I ain't turning a cheek You see, I know my past, so this shit won't settle with me Because I am those kids, put that 47 on me Give a damn by the tweet, horror decree You see, I won't be satisfied until the orange impeach making nightmares of the dreams and you might not care but homie is me man i wish that i could leave all this blame with the trump but you think there's other names that you want like christian nielsen working over homeland security she probably worried about her own security up at our restaurant sitting with a stupid look. They pour my people, yeah, you're trying to eat the food we cook. Dumb, dumb, if you think that we're going to let it slide. You on the podium, twisting truth and telling lies. You folks blinded, you need to get your eyes checked. How can you be so hateful and self-righteous? Mike check, Mike piss, this is my set. You might break that's my guess, but I digress. And Jeff Sessions, you gotta be maniacal. You trying to justify your evil with a Bible quote? Claiming you methodist, you mixing up your messages. You and the president are dressed. Driven by your prejudice 2020 bring your calendars out Cause we gon' rip your whole cabinet out Come up, a bitch so you better watch out Might end up with a Hispanic at the head of the house hey.
0: are back. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We're live right now. Maybe you're checking out the show again. You can check out podcasts at NuestraPalabra.org. And, hey, maybe we'll meet you in person Wednesday, August 29th, 6 p.m. at City Hall. It coincides with City Councilman Gallegos' quarterly meeting of nonprofits. But we're ready to put Houston Latino art on the map. Hope you will join us, too. And you can also tweet out at the hashtag, HughLatinoArt, because you're down with Latino art, right? Of course you are. And in the studio is our friend, Joven Abernathy, and you've got some prizes that I'm going to titillate folks with. So right after I tell you about her, you can tell us what kind of nice presents you have for for our callers and guests, which is great. And you're an international marathoner and run tourist... Your native Houstonian who served Houston for 20 years in local restaurants. After a decade long battle with depression, Jovan decided to take control by picking up a hobby. She chose the thing that never came easy to her running. The more she ran, the better she got. She began to love her hobby so much that she decided that she wanted to run around the world. In 2007, she began training for the Chevron Houston Marathon. While training in these streets of Houston, she felt like a tourist in her own city because we're always hiding in the AC or in the car. She began to see Houston open up in front of her eyes and unfold under her feet. In January 2008, she finished her first full marathon. Since then, she has run on the Diamond Head in Hawaii, from Asia to Europe in Istanbul, on the Great Wall of China, and the Big Five in Zimbabwe. She's competed other races in Houston, Austin, and San Francisco. After returning home from Africa, she started the blog, I Hope I Come Back Alive, that focused on local sites, running tips, and her experiences training for and running marathons. She also included new restaurants to try, local art openings and festivals, and spotlights on local runners, just kind of all the stuff that we like too. In 2015, she moved away from the blog to take to the streets literally to create Houston Tourism Gym to show everyone her Houston and how they can run their own international foot race. 20 years as a server taught her that Houston's real tourism was hospitality and the never-met-a-stranger mentality. Once you experience it, you truly will understand Houston. Jovan used this knowledge to develop her mini-marathon walking tours that end in bucket list destinations like festivals popular restaurants art galleries and openings breweries and sport tourism thanks for coming
1: hi thank you thanks for having me now is this
0: your you mentioned this is your first radio interview yes oh that's so special for us thank yeah. you yeah. and you're giving us gifts so you were kind enough to say that well you've got you've got like three major gifts let's start with let's start with the um, not the huge one first what was what was one of the gifts you mentioned you were kind enough to give out
1: Um, Well, I have two dinner for, uh, sorry, two lunch for twos from uh, local foods in downtown Houston.
0: Fantastic. So uh, we'll give one away first. And so it's lunch for two. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And what's the name? Give the name of the restaurant again.
1: Uh, Local foods downtown.
0: Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. So what we're going to say is uh, we'll say like the third caller, 713-526-5738. And a little bit, we'll give out uh, another gift. And then at the end of the talk, we'll give away a a a really big gift that you were kind enough to get secure. But thank you so much for creating this. Now you have an event coming up soon. What's that event?
1: Um, Basically, it's a uh, brewery and mural tour. Um, I've
0: Everything I like.
1: Yeah, everyone <laughs> loves beer and everyone loves uh, street art, definitely. So um, it's a brewery, a mural tour that ends at the Astro games, Astros game, I call it. We and love I love Houston. the Astros. Yeah, we all, that's what I call it. We <laughs> love Houston Astros. And uh, it's versus the Mariners Saturday. Uh, it starts at 3 at Holler Brewery. So you get to check out a little bit of Sawyer Yards. You get a really awesome uh, walk. It's a little bit more on the aerobic style. Uh, up to uh, downtown through Buffalo Bayou Way.
0: So, so how would that work? They would go to your website and register first, or or they would just show up? Can they just show up?
1: They they need to register very quickly because I have to buy the ticket. Got it. Yeah.
0: So they would go uh, give us your website, or how would they get? How would they register?
1: Okay. Um. Well, I guess I give you all my information. Sure, sure. Um. You can call or text me at eight three two six five 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 three three two. Uh. You can send me an email at Javon J O V A N at Tourism Gym HTX dot com, so that's T O U R I S M G Y M H T X dot com, um, or go to Tourism dot com and buy your ticket.
0: Uh, Tourism Gym dot com is the website.
1: I'm sorry, Tourism Gym HTX dot com.
0: HTX because it's Houston, Houston, Texas, of yes. course.com. Great, and that's this this weekend. This
1: yes, Saturday. Saturday. Uh
0: huh. And what time does this start?
1: It starts at 3 p.m. at 3- Holler Brewery.
0: 3 p.m. They show up, and then you're gonna walk. How far? How far a walk is that to the to the park?
1: Um, there's some dispute. I, I feel like it's because <laughs> <laughs> okay, like me walking, it's like nothing. So uh, to me, I think it's like six point five miles. Uh, miles, yes, six point five miles. Um, so these are kind of like mini marathon. You're not doing the whole twenty six point two, but but it's, it's kind of like walking
0: around the the park twice. Um,
1: yes, but way more interesting, and that's my point. I, I see a lot of people doing that or walking their neighborhood street, and I'm like, man. It could be so much better. And
0: again, I don't mean – you're right. I guess if no one's ever done it before, it may may prove difficult to go one block, (laughs) right? But I I enjoy running or walking, and Memorial Park's always fun. So it's kind of like going around Memorial Park twice. But you're right. You don't get to stop at the murals or the breweries or wind up at the baseball game. Yeah. Now, do you got to walk back from the baseball game?
1: Um. No. Usually we Uber unless you want to do it. Then we'll do it unless you're hardcore. Yeah, I've had that before. (laughs) Okay, we'll do it.
0: (laughs) That's so much fun. So, so then, how long have you been doing this here on the ground? Then. Uh,
1: 2015, I started to uh, test things out in Houston. Um, I started. I guess defining what a bucket list destination is in Houston because, like I said, uh, Houston's uh, tourism is kind of subtle. It's our hospitality. I've always felt that. And a lot of people leave. They're like, I don't, I don't understand Houston. And so um, – you're, you're right.
0: I, I would add to that is that I think people um, – and this ties in. We're talking with uh, Wei Chen. Old power means center. So if you go to New York, like here's the center of the literary mm-hmm. world. Here's the center of the media world. And, and they're used to that, yeah. which I think is boring. Yeah. Right. Versus Houston, you really have to dive in and look around, like you're saying, and you're right. It's more, it's more about meeting great people who yeah. will, will show you the next cool spot. So I, I love that you caught onto that and decided to to make it easier for other folks to enjoy that.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like, I I went, I I started delving into what restaurants would let sweaty people into, <laughs> just by testing it. Like, who's gonna kick me out? Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. A couple people. Security,
0: did. we've got some. Uh... <laughs> Very techie people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I cool. just start testing stuff.
0: Now, by the way, give me the thumbs up. So, have we given away the first award, the first premium?
3: We've only had uh, one caller. There was three all at once, and the first one wasn't the third caller, and then the other two dropped. So, we, <laughs> we still so, calls, so but...
0: you're supposed to wait. So for for the people in the booth, yeah, put them on hold. You, you count it. We'll do a first caller, second caller, third caller. Yes, and then for folks who are calling in, stay on the line. So, yes. so hey, we'll give it another chance. 713 the third caller. We'll take your name and email, and uh, you wind up getting lunch, which will be – Fun, And then, of course, uh, you can also go to the website to, to register. But I think if someone tunes in right now, they may be like, why are the poets talking about this? One, I believe in broad shoulders, broader imagination. Mm-hmm. And, of course, even myself, I like martial arts. I like running. I like lifting weights. More importantly, I think that the Shaolin monks showed us that they used to just meditate and then they were ill of health. They started instituting these exercises, stretching exercises, which wind up becoming Gong fu, which of course now people think is, is is certain fighting arts only, but to master the height of meditation, they also had to move their bodies and, and, and you know be healthy and I think especially for Chicanos and Hispanics, we get diabetes too much, um, you know they wind up getting all these medicines that cost three hundred bucks five hundred bucks a month but they can avoid it by walking around enjoying life. Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say?
1: Um, I definitely think so. Um, honestly, I, I'm not a political person, but I will have to say I feel like America's health system is based on sickness, not on wellness. And I think that there's a lot to be said about mental health first. I'm really big about that. So um, I feel like if... If you can, like, expend all that anxiety by moving your body and also letting in really, really nice thoughts, and the only way you're going to do that is if you see different things. So if you're doing the same thing every time, then you're not going to, uh, you're never going to let those thoughts in because you wouldn't have seen anything else. You know, especially this is for people who uh, work at their desks, spend a lot of time on the computer, or just watch TV, um, then they're never going to get that difference. So I I 100% agree with that.
0: That's great. The other thing I'm going to add too, if I'm working on uh, a certain piece of writing and you know after a while you kind of hit a wall, I do enjoy running because right around that second mile, if I'm doing two laps around the park, around that fifth mile, I call it reverie. Where my body just kind of takes over, but I feel, I don't know, I guess I explained it by endorphins and my imagination runs those. I don't listen to music when I run or anything like that, uh, but I like that reverie because like you're saying, all of a sudden it's new energy um, and I feel my heart racing and and whatnot. Um, So if people don't want to go that far and do it, they can do a a, a walk. What's the name? How did you come up with the name? Houston? tour gym they can do a tour gym right how did you come up with that name that's cool
1: oh man that's a, that's a long story okay so i guess uh the real story was um i had thought of this idea i called it i hope i come back alive after the blog and i was going to networking events to share it with other people by the way i'll go to
0: a tour gym i hope i come back alive I'm like oh my god what is she getting into yeah <laughs> right? exa-
1: yeah that's why i changed it to houston tourism gym Um, anyway, so like I kept trying to explain what it did and what it was and I would just lose people and they're like, uh, okay. And I was like, okay, I went home and I was like, this is not working. Um, and I was like, you have to sit down and find two words that describe what you did. I got on the computer. I looked at every bit of anything that I put out on the internet and all my memories. I was like. It's a tourism gym. That's what it is. So you
0: made up the term.
1: Yeah. It's a tourism. It's, you're a writer.
0: That's all. That's basically a, a workshop. It's a miserable experience
1: doing it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of frustration. You know, if you go to Google, I did not pay for that, but I'm the first one that shows up because I've made it up. You like, coined yeah. the term. Yeah. Yeah. But, scary.
0: but I love it. But, but of course, I mean, like you're saying, those fir- the first term, the name of the blog works as a blog on your own. Because I'm like, what does she get into? But now, if you want me to go with you or p- strangers go with you, like, uh, she, yeah. she she's in danger. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I don't want to be in danger. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that was the block. So we're on to Houston tourism. Love it now. because it, yeah. th- it
0: makes perfect sense. Because mm-hmm. now people can say, okay, I hear the word gym, so there's some exercise. But tourism, because right, I mean, people who don't run. We'll, well, I get scared that it's gonna be no fun, but you've made it completely fun. How did you pick bucket lists for Houston? Because I guess we do have our own bucket list. Astros game's gotta be a bucket list, of course, if people yeah. haven't gone.
1: Um, I think it's because all of my races were bucket lists. Most people, when they do any type of road race, even if it's a 5k, they said, oh, I promised myself I was going to do a 5k before blah, 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 you know, or if they do a marathon, that's always on people's bucket lists, you know? Um, so from the get go, it was about bucket lists. So when I started going overseas, like it, it was my bucket list to go to Africa so I got to do a half marathon in Zimbabwe and wow. see elephants and all that kind of stuff. There, baboon at the start line. So it was no always way. <laughs> oh, so awesome. Okay, so um, so it was always about bucket lists, and I was like, okay, how do I get other people to understand that and experience that with me not telling them? I just need to get them to do it, and so I had to create all these different scenarios um, and just like a. There is the Astros game, but then you have to take the whole event. Maybe you would, maybe you heard about a brewery, but you never had the chance to go check out breweries in Houston. So you not only do you get the brewery, you do get the um, – people love to put their uh, – take pictures in front of murals. They always want to do that. They never take time out. So you get one, two, and then the Astros game. I mean, and you get exercise. And then you're probably going to walk what people say eight miles, but I'm like, that was
0: 6.5. You know,
1: <laughs> so – Um, That's fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think you're right too because I think um, especially in this era of social media, people may not know how to reach out of their little, uh, you know, their block or their routine. And you see all those pictures of people with uh, those iconic murals or or backdrops and you might not know where they are. You might feel silly going. But if it's laid out – it makes perfect sense that people would want to jump in and have fun.
1: Especially when I'm saying, you better. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and get there. Go ahead and do it. Um, There's one after, like, I guess I would call it studying, but uh, testing things out so much. uh, One of them jumped out, and I had to, like, totally expand on it. Um, I would do walks, and I would see artwork on the walk. And then when I went to Sawyer Yards one day, I went into one of the – uh one of the um studios, and I saw some artwork that I'd already seen before, and I was like you 're the one who did that and then so I made the connection that the people the artists that are at Sawyer Yards are the artists that are producing our culture that are out on the road. Uh, so very cool uh one of them I got in contact with, and this totally uh, relates his name is uh vernie sanchez i don 't know if you' ever heard of him he's mm-hmm. um from uh Venezuela, and uh I Saw his, I met him, and then I also uh, learned that he had art outside. So there's one that it's like the story of the Houston artist where I take people all the way, you know, from Sawyer Yards into uh, 8th Wonder Brewery. His uh, mural is right across the, you know, street. I show them, and then when we go back, we go straight into Vernie's um, studio. So now you get to hear Vernie explain what his art is all about. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: That's really cool.
1: That, that was kind of like a made-up, bucket list destination because they would never expect that was going to happen.
0: But and See, what I love that you're doing, too, is you are helping community networks. You are helping artists. Um, you helped Latinos. <laughs> but also, I think what's cool is you are creating ways for artists to broaden their base and getting them to get supported, too, which is very cool.
1: There's that, but I really feel also that... It's like when I go out, I'm like making artwork inside my head because you get little nicks and you can make yourself pretty inside and, you know, you can have all that situated just properly. And then you have someone who might gossip about you or do this or, you know, traffic ticks you off and it's like little nicks on your artwork, Mm. on your painting. So when you can go back and like refresh it and retouch that's that's what that's what it's doing. It's like it's all about art.
0: I love it. Well, do us a favor. Give out the the website again so people can sign up to to go Saturday.
1: It is tourism gym h t x t o u r i s m g y m h t x dot And it's called We Love I Love Houston Astros.
0: Fantastic. And keep us in keep us in the loop. You know, come back. Let us know what you're working on. Yeah, and congratulations okay. and continued success. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaveners Say on the Air. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope that you will listen to the show a few times, share it. You can also go to nuestrapalabra.org. We will upload this in the next day or two, but you can also check out some of our past shows. Want to thank the crew for putting a great show together one more time. It's picture day. It's picture day today, so we're all dressed up. Hey, this is Tony Easy Libeteficante. This
3: is Lepi. This is Joe Anthony.
0: And shout out to Alexis and Marlene. You're not here right now, but your influence is on the show. Thanks a lot. Catch you next week. Bye.
1: Historic Heights Theater on 19th Street hosts a wide
2: variety of concert and special events. Upcoming concerts include singer-songwriter John Moreland on Friday, August 24th, Michael Nesmith and the First National Bank on Friday, September 7th, and an acoustic evening with Grammy Award-winning Sean Colvin on Sunday, September 9th. For more information or to get tickets, visit theheightstheater.com. This is KPFT Houston.